phone. You know those before and after pictures of the presidents? You know what I'm going, where I'm going with this? Before they're all fresh-faced and eager, then afterwards they're all wrinkled and haggard and gray hair. And can relate. So it's a special day for us. It is our eighth birthday. And so what I wanted to, to do today is talk about a little bit of our history and where we're at now and where we believe God is leading us into the future. And I thought this is especially relevant because in the last year, by God's grace, our Sunday morning attendance has grown by roughly 25, 25 to 30%. And so there's a lot of you who are newer to the church and you may not know some of our history. It's important for you to be connected to our history because the church has always been and always will be a movement of God through his people. So the story starts in late 2015 when Jill and I were contemplating what the next ministry move was gonna be for us. And we began praying a prayer that we now look back on and have decided it was a very dangerous prayer. And the prayer was this, God, we wanna be involved in something that is destined to fail unless you show up. How's that? Catch it? We wanna be involved in something that it has to be so supernaturally driven that it's just gonna completely fall apart or fail miserably. As we were making this prayer, we were having dinner with some good friends of ours. They were in the first service. And they asked, well, where are you guys at? What are you thinking? And that was the first time Jill had articulated it in this way. She said to them, I think we should start a church. Well, do something that's destined to fail unless God shows up. So the culture is not asking for more churches, right? Powers of darkness don't want healthy churches. And sometimes churches don't want other churches. That's awesome, let's do that. That sounds great. That's totally destined to fail. We had no sending church, I'd never been a church planter. Our friends said, well, that's interesting because someone is going to be reaching out to you to talk to you about this. And sure enough, by the end of the week, I was sitting down, I was meeting with an individual that I had known from a previous ministry, and we began thinking and praying and strategizing and dreaming of what a new work of God would look like in, in the North Valley. And I share that with you to help you understand that, well, on one hand, I would love, I would love to be able to say, we had this vision for years. We had this vision of what God was gonna do. We had this vision to start a church for a long time. It's just not true. We didn't. It was a movement of God's people. And Jill and I happened to be a part of it. We just played our part. See how that works? Church always has been and always will be a movement. So as we got together, we began thinking and praying and strategizing about 20 of the most remarkable people on the planet gathered in my living room. And real pioneers, you know what I'm saying? Real pioneers. What you learn is that many people wanna be settlers, very few wanna be pioneers. The pioneers are the ones doing the hard spade work of busting up the soil, planting the tree so that others can sit in the shade and enjoy it. And we were with 20 of the most amazing people 
thinking, praying, strategizing. I have a picture of one of our early meetings. Within a few weeks, we had outgrown our living room to a space, it was an empty gymnastics warehouse on the other side of the 101. And it was a very, very early meeting. Church couldn't have been more than a couple months old. And I have a picture of this guy and he's holding this paper. And on this paper are five statements. And I realized these are the same five core values that we had since the very beginning. In fact, they're on our walls. I don't know if you've, you've caught it or not, but they're on our wall. And it's these five core values that drive everything that we do. So we began to imagine, what if we were to create the kind of community of believers that really believed in generous living? You know, we came up with an acronym, GRACE, G-R-A-C-E. G, generous living. It's the idea that we would be generous with everything that God has entrusted to us. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus lays down this parable. And essentially he says, don't miss the opportunities that you have to use what God has given you to advance his kingdom. And by the way, you're not all gonna have the same opportunities. You don't all have the same resources, time, treasure, and talents. But you have some. It's a parable of the stewards. And so the first steward has 10 talents, another five and one. That, that's okay. We don't go around sticking our noses in other people's talents. That's between them and God. God determines that. But the point of the parable is, even if you just have one talent, you, you have something given to you by God. We don't all have the same time. We don't have the same skills and abilities. We don't have the same spiritual gifts. But we have something that God has been entrusted to you to exercise, to steward. And there will be a day of accountability. That's what the parable teaches. And so what if we gathered a community of people that took that seriously? They lived generously with their lives, with all that God had entrusted to them. And, and what if we could build a community of redeemed lives? We imagined this place that would tell story after story of the transformative power of Jesus Christ. So the foundation for that, for us, has been and will continue to be the preaching of God's word. That is the gospel. So if you listen carefully, in just about every sermon I give, I'm telling people that they're sinners separated from God. That's the heart of the gospel. And that God loves them and wants to be in a relationship with them. And that's why Jesus came. I, I'm preaching that message pretty much every single week because it's in the text somewhere. And if we're gonna offend people, it's not gonna because, be because we, we wave some, well, some hashtag flag or elevate some political party, Jesus will be the stumbling block for this church. See what I'm saying? If, if we're gonna offend people, we're gonna offend people with the gospel. People will say to me, well, you, you just, you don't wanna offend people, excuse me. I'm offending people all the time by telling them they're sinners in need of a savior, okay? I got no problem with that. We're unapologetic about that. So what happens is when you lift Jesus up, what he said is, I'm gonna draw people to myself. And so we would expect Jesus to do what he said he would do. He said he's gonna build his church. The gates of hell aren't gonna prevail against her. So as we preach the word, as we, as we give people the hope, that's why the church, man, the church is the hope of the world because it brings the message of the gospel. So we would expect transformed lives in our midst. 
That's why we do baptisms the way we do. People say it's different here. Yeah, that's right, it's different, but there's an intentionality to it. We wanna make space for people to be able to share what God has done in their lives because people come to church for a lot of different reasons, but the reason why they keep coming back is because they sense the Spirit of God supernaturally. There's a supernatural presence that takes place here when we come together. That's why when you're with us online, it's not quite the same thing. It's not quite the same thing. There's something that happens as God's people gather together and you experience God's presence in community. And by God's grace, we've had so many of these testimonies. The A stands for adoration of God. We imagined a church where the worship is genuine, it's simple, it's authentic, but it's expressed with our entire lives. It's, It's expressed upward through praise and worship, but it's also expressed outward through acts of service. We're gonna get here in a couple weeks when we step back into the our study in Romans, Romans chapter 12, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. What does it mean to worship something? It means to ascribe worth. When people leave this place every single week, I want them to feel the, there should be something profound. I had a seminary professor that would say, in, in homiletics class, he would say, Because you're teaching the scriptures, because you're elevating people before the throne of God, you better say something profound. And and he's exactly right. It's not because you have something profound in and of yourself to say, you're simply reflecting what the scriptures reveal. The C stands for community. We imagine a gathering where people would find deep, meaningful relationships through close personal contact where, where we would genuinely express the one another's of scripture, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, love one another. How about this? Confess your sins to one another. When the community creates vulnerability, when vulnerability meets vulnerability, something amazing happens. This is what I love about being around the people from CR, Celebrate Recovery. You talk about real, raw, and authentic. It's like everybody in the room is like, yeah, here, here's my hurt habit and hang up. What's yours? And this is how God enters into that space and brings me healing. And there's no false humility in that because once you've been at the bottom, you have nowhere to look but up. Man, that's where you meet God. It's the church in Acts chapter two where they had all things in common, the lifeblood of the church. This is actually why we included the word community in our name. The E stands for engaged in culture. I wanna spend a couple minutes talking about this because I think this is one of the things that is unique about Illuminate. We believe in a private devotion to God, but I'm just gonna tell you, we also believe in a public devotion to God, okay? I'll give you some examples. The Apostle Paul, in a stroke of contextualized genius, enters the city of Athens. And there's a special place there in the first century AD, the the Areopagus, called Mars Hill. It was the place where the leading thinkers and philosophers gathered to discuss new thoughts, ideas. And all of a sudden, there's this guy that enters that they, they hear about, Paul. And he's bringing this strange new teaching about this individual from Nazareth. So he makes an appearance at Mars Hill. 
and he begins to step into the culture and own it. He says, I see that you're all very religious. And they're like, yeah, that's right, that's right. You know, that would have been a compliment to them. And then he says, I observe the statues that are here and they would have in their time been a form of idolatry. Each statue represents a God that they worship. But just to have all their bases covered because they don't wanna offend some God that, they, that exists that's, that, that, that may, may, may curse them or withhold something good from them because they're not acknowledging that God. So you always have to be on good terms with the gods, otherwise they'll mess with you. So in case there's one that they're avoiding, they, they have a monument to the unknown God, just, 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 to make sure, just to make sure we're cool with everybody, right? Paul says, <clears throat> let me tell you about that God that you don't know, and then he drops this on him. He's the creator of heaven and earth, and he cannot be contained by man. That is to say, no man can form his image. And what he's anchoring life in is the reality of God the God of the Bible, the creator of heaven and earth. The opening line of the Bible gives you the foundation of all life. In the beginning, God. You catch it? In the beginning, God. Let me tell you about the God that you don't know. He reaches into the culture, contextualizes the gospel, in order to win people to Christ. We believe in a private and a very public devotion to God as well. Another example, Daniel. In the midst of Babylonian, Babylonian empire, Daniel and his friends have a very public faith along with a very high profile position. So sometimes within the Christian community, we can become fearful. It's like the more influence we have, the less we want to proclaim our faith. This is why after we study the book of Romans, we're going straight into the book of Daniel. And I'm, I'm totally unapologetic with what I'm about to say to you next. I, I, I don't know him. I wish I knew him. I feel like he's mentored me from a distance. John Lennox wrote a book about Daniel and his title is called, the title of the book is called Against the Flow. I'm stealing that title. I'm not even asking for permission, okay? John Lennox is professor of mathematics at Oxford. We're really glad he's on our team. You know what I'm saying? Anytime he enters the room, immediately he's the smartest guy, okay? Against the flow. He has it right. Against the flow. That's the story of Daniel. That's the story for our time, Christian. Engaged in culture so that culture can be transformed by the gospel. These are the core values that have driven us since day one. Additionally, we have a very clear mission statement, and it isn't anything revolutionary. I personally believe every church that lifts up Jesus should have some variation of this mission statement because it comes to us from Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Teach them all that I have commanded you. Remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Our mission statement here is this. We are called to love all people, to make disciples and to empower them, empower them to be on mission for God. The mission, the values, they've been with us since day one. 
the name, illuminate. I've always loved those metaphors of light in the Bible. Thomas Aquinas lived 800 years ago, theologian. He said this, it is better to illuminate than to shine. You know what that means? To illuminate something is to bring the light to bear. What he's saying is, it's much better to take the light that you have and share it with others, to spread that light, rather than to simply showcase your own brightness. Better to illuminate, enlighten others, than to shine. Recently, I heard it said, I love this statement, and it's true for anybody in ministry in any kind of leadership role, especially if you have a leadership role that has you up front or present. Make sure that the light that is on you, the light that's shining on you, is never brighter than the light that is shining through you. Better to illuminate than to shine. Jesus would say this about himself in John chapter eight, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And what a great message for our own time. Apart from the light of Jesus, people will always be walking in the darkness. With regard to his followers, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter five, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. They put, they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house, one might say it illuminates. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the church should not be hidden, but the church should be seen by the community because of its good works. And by the grace of God, I will tell you, this is, this is a point of godly pride for me. What God has enabled this church to do for our community in the last eight years, it has been an absolute joy. I mean, the number of strategic partnerships we have that you all support through your generosity, whether it's our partnership with Teen Challenge, House of Refuge, Death to Life Revolution, uh, uh, Teen Challenge, did I say that one already? Teen Challenge, House of Refuge, we got so many, we've got like a dozen, I don't even know them all, guys. Not only that, but the work you support worldwide you guys might not, might not even know this. I mentioned it a few weeks ago, and I, I, and I have to be somewhat careful with what I say in light of what's happening right now. You guys support gospel-centered work in the West Bank and in Gaza. Did you know that? We have strategic partnerships with Palestinian and Jewish Christians that are bringing the gospel into these places. You do that. That is the work of God through his people at Illuminate. By God's grace, I've been able to form a relationship with our District 4 representative. And together, we talk about how we can serve the city. We have partnership with St. Mary's Food Bank that we wanna expand upon. And I'll talk more about that uh, in a moment. This leads us to our vision. Our vision has always been to be that city on a hill where the broken, the hurting, 
and the searching are drawn to the light and the love of Jesus Christ. Our, our, our core values, our mission, our vision, those are the things that guide us. People ask me all the time, what is the future of this church? I have no idea. I have no idea. We definitely make our plans. We make a lot of plans around here. God honors a plan, but I've learned to hold those plans loosely. I could not have imagined all that God would do in such a short amount of time. When this church was young, you all, again, through your generosity, you purchased this building to make this our permanent church home, to put our roots down in this community. Here's what I know and what I would expect. Jesus is going to build his church. We will preach the gospel. And when we lift Jesus up, people will be drawn to him. So we do expect this church to grow. And again, we're unapologetic about that. Because everybody that comes through our door, that's a soul, man. That's a soul. And and the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for others. That's the heartbeat of who we are. So... I like what one well-known pastor says about his own church growth experience. He says, you know, I feel like time and time again throughout the history of our church, God would just create these waves. And a lot of times these waves were completely unexpected. But man, we're always looking for them. And once we spot one, we just grab the surfboard and we ride it. And I was like, man, I so resonate with that. So we definitely have plans. We hold them loosely. We're looking for the opportunities that God presents us, and we wanna be quick to respond. You, you, you can over-program things, you know, and it's like you suck the, the spirit of God right out of it. You know what I'm saying? You just suck the spirit of God right out of it because of your man-made plans. So, man, you gotta stay flexible and fluid to God's leading. So what is the future exactly? I don't exactly know. I'll tell you what I do see clearly is that we have immediate needs in front of us. So I'm gonna give you the big three right now. Number one, we have a need for more worship space on Sunday mornings. What happens in a room is if it's about 80% full, it feels full. We're over that. We're over that. And when visitors come and they enter this space, they're led to believe, well, I guess you weren't prepared for me. And they don't come back. That's a problem, that's a problem. That's a problem God is gonna solve for us. We know that we can blow this wall out right here, move it back, take up the gym, and add about another 400 seats. So that brings us to about 1,000 or 1,100. So that'll be helpful, that'll be helpful. That'll give us some breathing room. I personally, I've said it before, I don't like the fact that the congregation is divided into thirds. Eight o'clock service never sees the 11 o'clock service. I don't like that. Plus, they're eating hot dogs at like nine o'clock. That's kind, of, that's kind of gross, but, ben, but ben, they're eating a lot of them. Um, eight o'clock service is wide open, by the way, about 250 people that attend that. I know, I know, I don't really wanna be there either. They're great people. <laughs> Strike that from the record. They're all, it's an amazing community of people at eight o'clock, man. Very committed believers, dear saints. Uh, but the reality is, the reality is, optimum service times, village idiot wakes up and goes, oh, church is open at nine o'clock. Between 9 and 11, 11.30, those are optimum service times. So if we are able to expand this and, and add some scene, we can go back to two services, and then if God continues to grow us, then we'll go back to three. We'll just, we'll just do whatever God leads us to do. Nope, we have no problem with that. 
but we're gonna try to deal with what challenges are in front of us. Secondly, we have a need for more space so we can further our outreach into the community. Specifically, if we had a, a, a legit commissary slash kitchen, we could do more. We could do more. We could do more in outreach. We could feed more people, more homeless. We could expand that ministry significantly. Right now, we have a great partnership with St. Mary's. We're getting a ton of food from them. We could get a lot more, a lot more, if we had the proper setup to do it. We don't right now, okay? Thirdly, on May 1st, we're gonna get the entire use of this building. That is to say the upstairs space, which is an additional 18,000 square feet. So the building will be completely ours. That's the good news. The bad news is we lose a tenant that pays rent, good rent. We didn't buy this building to be landlords. See what I'm saying? Every square inch of this space needs to be used for God's kingdom. Through your generosity and faithfulness, we can lose that rental income, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. It's more important that we have that space, okay? That's gonna happen May 1st. To these things, we are doing our due diligence. I don't have any specific solutions for you yet. More will come in the future, but we're in process of figuring out exactly what is possible in terms of expansion, okay? In order for these, these things to happen, what's it gonna take? Well, you know, it's gonna take everybody. <laughs> it's gonna take everybody that calls Illuminate their home church to get involved. We are healthy only to the degree that our people are plugged in and serving, serving as stewards and making the most of what God has entrusted to them. We don't all have the same resources, the same amount of time, we don't all have the same gifts, but here's the question that every single one of us is going to be asking ourselves as we move forward. With what God has given to me, what is my responsibility? See that question? With what God has entrusted to me, and I'm not asking this for anybody else, this is just between me and God, this is the question. With what God has entrusted to me as a steward, what is my responsibility toward him? It's gonna take resources. It'll take financial resources, it'll take human resources, it's gonna take more volunteerism, it's gonna take more service, it's gonna take all of that stuff. Everything that God has used to get us to this point. The beautiful thing is that in Ephesians chapter one, God says, he has entrusted all of his things, all of his treasures are with his people. Everything are with his people. The fact that we own this building, I, have, I, I could stand up here for a solid hour and tell you one God's story after another. The fact that we have this building, the owner of this building, good guy, not a believer, we entered into a relationship with him. One of our elders in particular started really to form a friendship with him. He told us, I don't ever sell. I don't know. This guy had buildings that have been in his family for generations. We buy and we do not sell. We don't sell. Okay, that's cool. Hey, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, brother. God is the owner. And if he wants to sell, he'll sell. Oh, he'll sell. But, uh, but I'm with you. I hear what you're saying. I don't sell. I don't sell. Okay, that's cool. Let's be friends. So we form this friendship. Something changed in his life, okay? I'll just say that. Something entered his life. As so often happens, right? Life has a way of taking things away from you, you know, and your life isn't what you expected it to be, and all of a sudden, who does he reach out to? This church. And he says, I wanna sell. This needs to be a place that does what you guys do. And he sells. Like, I'm not, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not even gonna list it to anybody else. I want you guys to have it. You know, where God guides, he what, church? 
Amen. Where God guides, he provides. So I, you know, it's, it's super fun for me, man, because I just get to ride these waves all, all, all the time. It's gonna take each one of us adopting a servant attitude, which is in Jesus, our leader. Romans chapter 12, we'll get here in a couple weeks, three weeks, three weeks or so. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, stop thinking more highly of yourself than you should. And then there's a negative and a positive aspect to it, negatively. Don't think more highly of yourself than you should. And now the positive, here's how you think. Don't think this way, now do think this way. Think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So people misunderstand what this verse means. They think, well, the measure of faith. Well, God gives us all different measures of faith. Like, you might have more faith than I do. So, so that's just what we live by. That's actually not what this is teaching. The word measure literally means standard. Read it that way. Each according to the standard of faith that God has already assigned. What is the standard of faith, Christian, that we all have as God assigned it? It showed up in the person of Jesus. That's the standard. So this is quite good. The next time you're feeling superior to others, and you know where, you're, where your superiority already comes from? Comparing yourself to others. You can always find someone that's a little less than you. Paul says, you wanna compare yourself to others? How about this? Compare yourself to Jesus. Ooh. That'll work. That's humbling. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, but all are important. There are some parts of your body that you spend more time being aware of. We have mirrors so that we can evaluate our, our, our looks and you know, kind of dress it up and so forth. Then there are other parts of our body that we cover. We don't even think about until all of a sudden, you eat too much bread. <laughs> or or you're, you're on a missions trip to Guatemala and something enters your gut. See, all of a sudden, then you spend a lot of time thinking about certain body parts that you never think about. <laughs> and also that body part, that body part becomes a focus of your attention, <laughs> right? They're all important. They all just have different functions. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, humility, Paul says, is the key to your servanthood. I've said it several times before. Two kinds of people enter this room. They walk through those doors. The first person walks in and says, here I am, everybody. I am so ready to be served. You better notice me. You better meet all my needs. Or I'm gonna write that Google review. The other person walks in and says, oh, there you are. How can I be a blessing to you in light of what God has given to me? How has God created me in such a way to honor you? Which type of person builds a healthy church? So church, I'm gonna ask you to pray and consider what it means for you to get involved in expanding God's kingdom. We are offering the next steps class now twice a month. If you're newer to the church, you haven't been involved in that, it's a great place to start. But for all of us, what is God calling us 
to do. Because I believe that, that for, for the majority of us, you're like me, and that you wanna take as many people to heaven with you as possible. That's why we're here. So today we're gonna celebrate God's faithfulness. We're gonna be eating hot dogs at 9, 10.30. That's it's all good. You know why we do that, by the way? It's not like people in North Scottsdale need a free meal. We do that to facilitate community because as you leave, we hope you stay and you get connected with people, people that could be very much unlike you. Isn't that the beauty of God, the, the unity and diversity? That's, that's the beauty of God's creation, the church. So I wanna thank those of you who have been on this amazing ride for any length of time. When people ask me, what makes Illuminate special? I'm always quick to say, oh, without a doubt, it's the people, man. It's the people that God brings to us. And I wanna thank you for being a blessing to me and for ministering to my soul and, and that of my family. And I'm grateful to God that I get to play my part for whatever season God has determined in this movement that is Illuminate Community Church. And I believe that the best is yet to come. Let's, uh, let's pray and, and honor God for his faithfulness. Father, it's, it's just a pure joy and delight to be part of your kingdom building expansion. There are so many that don't get to experience these kinds of blessings. Lord, they are not without their challenges and heartaches and setbacks, but with you leading us through those things, it further sanctifies us, draws us closer to you. Continue to have your way and to do your will in the midst of your people. And God, we just wanna celebrate and thank you for your faithfulness. We ask it in the name of the one that we continuously lift up because ultimately he is the head of this church. This is his church. It doesn't belong to me or to any one of us, but this church belongs to, to Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. And God's people said, 